Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Chizo on a week where danger gets injured and we all dive for cover quicker than Josh Green. I'm on once again with Nicey after a wave of public love from your debut podcast. Nicey, how are you, champion? I'm really good. Thanks, Chizo. Thanks for having me back, boys. Really, uh, really looking forward to getting into another one again and, uh, and hopefully uh, on the incline as well, on the improve. Well, the thing was, JB was all set for this podcast and we, you know, you've got to accept public opinion and the fans want more nicey, mate. That That's all we're hearing in the inbox. So we, we, we've we uh, got you back on. We've also got Pistol on tonight here, mate. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. And very excited that we've finally been able to cut JB out of the starting lineup. <laughs> um, he's, he's gone into the first uh, emergency position and uh, yeah, we've got nicey. Um, on this one. So very, very excited about that. Just pulled on the green vest, boys, and I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Mate, it's, uh, it's great to have you both on tonight. Um, lots of super coach news to cover. We're going to go through a, a lot of the JLT and the implications that we've had this week. Um, another thing that came out this week that uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on, on Pistol, because you were talking about it a little bit before, the loan system, uh, you know, the mid-season draft and all that kind of thing, you had a good point that you made uh, in terms of Supercoach about the potential uh, you know, loan system that they're proposing to bring into the AFL, mate. Yeah, uh, we were just talking about before. We're not going to, I mean, my opinion's very uh, against any sort of loaning, but we won't, we won't harp on about that. Just in terms of Supercoach, I was saying it'd, it'd be pretty funny if you bought a Primo because they had the round, you know, let's say 14 buy, and you're like, all right, got the buy set, round 14, and then it's it's approaching the buys, and they change clubs, and they end up in a different buy, and you completely ruin your structure and I thought that was hilarious that's just one thing that would almost make me quit Supercoach I reckon it would almost almost make me just um, completely stop like I think by that stage they, they might actually skip the buys because if if you're able to just like play for one team in one buy and then play for another team in the second buy you could almost skip buys by trading in players that are getting loaned to other clubs over the buy period it's just ridiculous about the implications that it could have um, but what we will do is we'll crack straight into the recaps for the JLT games this year uh, this round JLT 2 obviously uh, we've been writing for the Herald Sun again this week you can catch all of our write-ups now officially on our website drsc.com.au that's our website you'll be able to find us through the facebook page as well but we'll jump straight into it guys the first game on the wednesday was richmond v north melbourne and the tigers just look absolutely fantastic uh demolishing two teams in the preseason they had 19 of their best 22 from the premiership last year playing against north melbourne here nicely i'll throw throw to you mate who did you like from this game? Well, mate, I don't think uh, there's anyone that we can go past except for Toby Nankervis. He's the number one player from that game. Got 132 Supercoach points. Had 17 hitouts. The issue with Nankervis last year was whenever Ivan Soldo, their second ruckman, came into the side, Nankervis' scores would tend to suffer a little bit. Now, Soldo only played 30% of uh, 37% of game time, um, whereas Nankervis had the 75%, but it didn't impact his scoring at all. Uh, he still had the 17 hitouts. Soldo had 15, so sort of uh, quite even there. But Nank's uh, tackling, was he had seven tackles and 13 con- contested possessions, which really helped his score boost up. And I think he just comes back into consideration with that match. We've definitely seen a few teams that are now starting to float him. I think um, it's one thing that we hype on every single year is don't get sucked into JLT hype too much because uh, Toby Nankervis is, uh, you know, he's a solid football player, but I don't think he has quite the game yet to be, 
you know, matching it super coach wise with the likes of Gorn and, you know, averaging 100, 110 plus is what, uh, you know, we're hoping from an R1 and R2. He's going to be a consistent player, but I'm just not sure that we're going to see those upper echelons because he's a, um, he's your old school kind of ruckman that battles around the ground, does everything average and, you know, nothing um, exceptional. So uh, there's there's a, a, a few little worries that I'd have um, picking a Nankervis, expecting him to be um, one of those upper echelon guys. But some... People are also getting sucked into the JLT form again this year, even after 2017. Josh Caddy here, Pistol. 114 Supercoach points, mate. Do we believe the hype? <laughs> it's funny because it's a new year and it's the exact same thing. Everyone's like, okay, Josh Caddy is going to get more midfield time. Um, you know, this is his breakout year. But the thing is, you know, Prestia is missing. He probably is in doubt um, now for round one. Um, so Caddy might even score well in round one. Everyone's going to jump on. And then he's probably losing his midfield role as well. Um, I think Caddy is a very risky pick. And he's not even cheap. You know, he's 420k. You're not really making... Um, a significant investment in him value-wise um, because he's already at an expensive price. So I can understand when people did it last year when he was like mid-300s, but at 420, I think you can may as well just wait and see. If he if he's really, after six rounds, dominating, he's only going to go up 50K. And it's a massive wait and see. And to me, I, I would never start with Josh Caddy, especially after last year. <laughs> um, no, that's that's too many burns. How many times can you keep running back to the same guy after a, a preseason? Well, don't talk to me about Yago Amira then. We'll just skip over that name completely. <laughs> the, the, the one that interests me in the Josh Caddy situation is Kane Lambert because they're very, very similar. And there's a lot of coaches expecting that, you know, Josh Caddy's suddenly going to get more midfield time this year. And then, you know, there's a whole nother group of people that think that Kane Lambert's going to be the guy that is going to get them more midfield time this year I can see him being a point of difference here nicely but Kane Lambert I'm not entirely sure is going to be breaking out and being that 95 plus average that we need to be that keeper in our forward line no I don't think so Chizo. I think uh with Lambert as uh, Pistol was saying before I think 472k he is just not there's not the value there and there's not the proven uh proven sort of form line uh to go with him the good thing about him is he does have that double position uh dual position status with the midfield forward but I just don't think we can uh we can back him in I think there's probably players at a better value um around the same price range that are just going to be a few, uh, a bit more of a safer option for us this year. I agree with you there, Nicey. I'm interested to know what you think there, Pistol, because we're seeing Lambert in a few um, a few teams as a bit of a point of difference. Yeah, so he's only in 2% of teams, which makes him a massive forward smoky, especially with someone of his scoring potential. He had a 13-game end of the season last year, averaging 93, which puts him right in the top six um, forwards and look this year his role hasn't seemed to change throughout the JLT he's still getting that inside midfield time and also playing on the half forward and he kicked four goals which is great because it can increase uh, his ceiling he wasn't a massive goal kicker last year but um, good sign seeing 106 room early on in the piece and I think that this year he could be um, a smoky to end up in the top six forwards yeah too true the next player that I want to talk about is the next two players I'll throw a gain to you here pistol it's the half-and-half half game that we saw between Proust and Goldstein. I'll throw you some numbers here. They both played just over 50 minutes of game time, playing literally a half each. Proust with nine disposals, Goldstein with eight. 
Um, uh, Pressure Axe, Pruce had eight to Goldstein's nine. Hitouts, 15 to 16 in the favour of Goldstein. Contested possessions, eight to five with Pruce over Goldstein. They almost got the exact same statistics over the exact same game time. For me, I'm not seeing a clear number one that's going to give me the confidence to say that Goldstein's going to be their solo ruck for an extended period this year. Well, if you look at the Supercoach points, it was uh, 81 to 39. <laughs> I know that's a bit biased given uh, the scaling situation and the beginning of the match, it was closer. But uh, Goldstein, I think, will play as a number one going into the year. Um, Scott himself has said that uh, they'll only be taking one ruckman into the season, in which case, if you think Goldstein is a number one ruck, then he's going to be playing at least, I would say, um, until the buys as the number one ruck. He'll probably have to fend off Proust later in the year. But Goldstein, with a clear run in it, has gone massive in the past. And he's someone that I could definitely see stepping up to average over 100 in the rucks. However, you know, you've kind of got that Proust in the back of your mind the whole season. Like, is this a week that he loses his spot? Um, so it depends how much hair you want to have left at the end of the season is uh, whether or not you should uh, take Todd Goldstein. Okay. Now, they're pretty succinct there, mate. Uh, nicely, I'll throw it to you. Is it official that we just kind of plan our teams without Luke Davies Uniac now? Because we've seen two games from him. Yes, he's going to have some, uh, he's got some job security, but we're just not seeing the scoring potential to justify his high price. Yeah, for sure there, Chizo. I think uh, Davies Uniaki, I think, don't want to keep harping on about value, but I just think if there's players down around the 117,000 mark that are going to score. Um, the same, if not better, than him. You've got Tim Kelly from Geelong, Charlie Constable. They look like slotting straight into the Geelong side. Um, Dom Barry and, and uh, Bailey Banfield as well from Fremantle. I think they're all better options than Davies Uniaki. And there's no doubt that Uniaki is going to be a good player. But I just don't think we're seeing, as you said, the sco- uh, super coach scoring potential from him just yet. I certainly agree with your sentiment there nicely. I do think that we need to move on from uh, LDU. If you're looking for a more expensive rookie, maybe an Andrew Brayshaw or a Will Brody along those lines, but I think his scoring potential is just not quite there for us to consider him. Uh, so we'll jump into the next, next game here. Melbourne defeated St Kilda after a pretty tight tussle there, Pistol. Um, we saw David Armitage crash back to earth, but should we still be considering for our Supercoach starting side? Yeah, well, look, he only had 65% game time, so it was a bit lower than usual, um, but he did score 66. So I think in the first game we saw... Um, maybe we got our, our hopes a little bit too high with Damon Armitage. At the end of the day, you're probably really only expecting him um, to score between 85 and 90. That's if you're selecting him, so to think that he's a worthwhile pick. Um, and, you know, anything 100-plus is just off the table at this stage. I think he can still be a good mid-pricer. He's only 310k. However, you have to be really realistic with your expectations, and I think that's what this game showed, that you shouldn't you know, overvalue what these players can do. Yeah, and uh, uh, one of his teammates that uh, I'm really interested, a lot of us are really interested in, we're seeing his, uh, his ownership percent, uh, percentage really skyrocketing here nicely is Shane Savage putting up the only supercoach ton for the Saints on the night, 114 is he the real deal, Nicey? Big question. No surprises there at all, Chizo, with his ownership levels skyrocketing. He's averaged 129.5 from his two uh, two JLT hitouts now. 
Um, I think he's absolutely the real deal, and we were talking last week, he might just be the replacement uh, or the the one to watch over uh, Dylan Robertson, who was sort of the standout down back for the Saints last year. Savage's ball use, normally fantastic. It's ran at 77% on the weekend, not bad. He got forward and kicked a goal, so that did inflate his scoring a little bit. I don't think he's going to be kicking too many goals for the season. Um, but, you know, I just I think he's the real deal and a great value pick. Now, Pistol, the next player I want to throw to you is Christian Petrarca, and I'm specifically throwing him to you because you're a big fan of the Petrapper in 2018. (laughs) With Jack Viney out, what do you think that is going to influence Petrarca's uh, role at the start of 2018? You know, he might come out with a few good scores and everyone kind of jumps on. And then as soon as Viney comes back, he's back to his half forward, you know, scoring his 85s and 90s and everyone's just kind of a little bit off the bandwagon. (laughs) Jeez, you just summed up my entire thoughts. I didn't really need to say anything more than that. That's exactly how I feel. Um, Probably going to come out scoring well while Viney's out, then maybe drop away a little. I do think he's pretty safe bet to go 85 this year. Um, I really just can't see him averaging more than 95, and I think 95 is a benchmark for a, a top six midfielder this year, top six forward, I should say, this year. Um, so for me personally, I'm, I'm not going to be uh, starting the the Petrapper. Someone that we're hoping is going a little bit higher than a, a, a 90s average this season, Nicey, is one of your boys, Jack Billings. He's locked into your team right now, being a Saints man, obviously. Did we see enough from him after he missed JLT1? We saw a bit, Cheezo. I don't know if we saw enough. He is in and out of my side each week. I can't decide whether I want him or not. That niggle is a little bit worrying given his past injury history. Um, I think he... What did he score on the weekend? 93 on the weekend. Uh, kicked a goal. Looked all right. I don't know if he's done enough, but at five five oh nine. Um, he's not bad value, and it's to be honest, it's just really slim picking in the forward line this year. I think if Billings, if we're expecting him to average 95 plus, I think put him in. If you don't expect him to go that far, uh, I just don't. I don't think we we rock him, and I think maybe someone like a Toby Green who has a fantastic uh, first nine rounds. I think they um, they play a lot uh, about eight of the bottom sides. Was it was it Pistol? I think um, in the first nine nine rounds. So. Um, I just, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sold on Billings yet. If he lines up round one, obviously, I'll back him in. But, yeah, it's 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 a tough call. Yeah, I, I guess it's one of those ones that you just have to back yourself in. If you think he's going to be there, you should pick him. Uh, very similar with a, a Christian Petrarca, I guess. Uh, Pistol, the last person that we talk about in this game is Nick Caulfield, only putting up a, 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 low, um, a low 40 score. We're crying out for a defender uh, that can kind of uh, give us that cash generation. He picked up a lot of position, a lot of possessions in the defense over the JLT, but we're not seeing that scoring potential that justifies his 171k price. Yeah, but I think seeing a rookie, you know, racking up 17 touches, I think is a really good sign because you know, the points will come. If the possessions are coming, the points will come. Usually what happens with these defenders is they don't get enough of the ball to be able to, you know, be able to score well and then you kind of struggle to justify his price you know at 170k he's probably not going to be a great cash cow but I think he's poised enough to hold his spot in that Saint side I know he's going to have to fight for his spot but um, I reckon he can hold it for a while so for that case uh, for that reason he's going to be in my team and hopefully if he can keep getting 17 to 20 possessions every game he hopefully will also start to score a little bit better um, than the 48 that we saw on the weekend Okay, we'll jump into the next game here, guys. We'll jump into the Derby 
Western Sydney versus Sydney. I had the uh, the pleasure of covering this one for the Herald Sun we were doing. I saw some very, very good scores from uh, from both sides. Lukey Parker putting up uh, promising signs that he would continue his end-of-season run last year. Pistol uh, averaging 107 after the bye last year. Is this the return of Luke Parker back to the 110 averages he's done in the past? It certainly could be, Chiso. Luke Parker is high on my radar at the moment. He's in phenomenal nick at the moment, and... I think he's probably likely to go back towards you know 107 to 109, I'll say, uh, average this year. But I'm not sure that there's enough value. I know he's priced at 99, but you've got players like Cripps around him and you've got players like Caniglio. And I don't think he provides better value than those type of players. So um, for me, it's a no. But certainly if in a draft league type of situation, I think it'd be a, a massive steal. Okay, what about for you, Nicey? Another player that we covered was Callum Mills. We did see a good 94 from him. He looks to have put on a little bit of soft guys but he's definitely not getting that run through the midfield he's uh, he's keeping his same role that he's had for the first two uh, first two seasons uh, at the Sydney Swans across the back line he looks like he's increasing his scoring potential but I just don't see him being that breakout selection this far um, into the preseason yeah no fair enough uh starting at $433,000 there Callum Mills like you said, 94 points on the weekend and just probably not doing enough to get into our sides. Gave away two free kicks. Um, had the six contested possessions from his 19 disposals. Uh, sorry, from his 22 disposals, rather. Um, but, yeah, no, probably not doing enough at this stage. Uh, someone that I am interested in, though, Chizo, is Lance Franklin. He's just popped back up in, on my radar. Um, I've taken Heaney out and Franklin in. I don't want to be jumping on preseason form, but Franklin is looking fantastic. And Heaney's just had a few little off games. I'm not 100% sure. I think I'm going to start Buddy for the first time ever this year. The the only thing that we consider that I'm is putting me off Franklin, for example, and, and Heaney in the same conversation as being in my starting squad is because Sydney do have a tough run to start the year. So... There's every chance playing against uh, the likes of um, of Adelaide, um, even though it's at home, you could very well see them only put up you know 80s and 90s and not really break out into the season. Whereas you could pick someone that's got an easy run in the first five or six games, you know, come out with a hundred, hundred and plus average, and that puts you ahead of the pack, and you can pick up Heaney or Franklin Franklin later on. That's the only reason that um, that I maybe wouldn't do. Uh, one of those guys in our starting squad, but it, it again, it's it's who you are liking the look of. Um, we're seeing a, a lot of love for Darcy Cameron here, Pistol, but a showing of only thirty-seven odd points, losing the hitouts twenty-five to six by three-quarter time before you had a rest, doesn't really fill us with confidence. No, definitely not. I think the problem here is Cameron may play, although you know he's still behind Sinclair, and I think they'll go into. The season with uh, Sinclair and Towers as the the backup ruck, but look, Cameron may play, but that doesn't mean that he's actually going to score well enough to one make money and to justify any sort of cover. I mean, sure, if he if your your ruckman's out for a week and Cameron comes on and scores thirty, you gain thirty points. Congratulations, but that's not a big deal uh, in the scheme of things. I'm not going to be picking a worse ruck. Um, you know, so that I can have you know Cameron on the bench with that extra 20k. Uh, I think for this stage, for me personally, I'm just going to have a loophole option at R3, bank the 20k now because it's probably more than Cameron's going to be able to make, and then I'll have a slightly better team with that 20k. Hopefully, um, I can invest it into one of my players. And 
yeah, Cameron, I, I really just don't think he's going to make enough money to be a worthwhile selection this year. So you're more on the captain's loophole at R3. You'd rather that than getting a Cameron in there, regardless of whether you needed cover for a rider, for example. You, you, you'd rather use that as a loophole and take a dive. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I should mention, Sydney aren't very good um, for a captaincy loophole options. Um, I've gone through the fixture a little bit and, and they're not a great option at all. So you kind of also are getting stuck with somebody who you can't use as a captain loophole as much as you want to pretend you can he's just not going to be a great option at r3 okay Uh, another one that's not looking like such a great option even though he's the cheapest he's probably been in a decade brick deledio only putting up a mid-20s score here nicey there was a lot of coaches including myself wanting to see him go well in a jlt to see what kind of role he had whether he was running off the back line taking a zach williams position There's 7% of coaches at the time of writing my article that had him in our sides. He's gone from mine. I think a lot of people are doing the same. Let's be honest. He's beyond his best football. And I just think that there's going to be, again, better options in the forward line. I don't know if we can trust him. It's a bit like Ryan Griffin sort of situation. We want to see him come back. We want to see him do well. But it's just been too long between drinks for those boys. And I think we have to put a line through them. Someone that I really think I should put a line through, but I'm going to get sucked into picking him every single year, it seems, Pistol, is Heath Shaw. Putting up a 62, he played, from my eyes, a slightly different role compared to last week where he was always the get-out kick. He played a little bit more lockdown, a little bit more close-checking, didn't really get those uh, those kick-outs into the corner pocket and things like that. Is this more of the role that we should expect from Heater Shaw or JLT1? I really don't want need. I don't know what to make of it. Look, I think he will um, fluctuate. So he'll rotate between those roles. Sometimes he'll play as a small defender. Sometimes he'll play as a rebounding um, halfback. But this was a great thing to happen to all of us because after his first game, his ownership absolutely went bananas. And now, after this, we kind of get reminded, oh, wait. That was the reason why we weren't selecting Heath Shaw. And he's gone straight back out of my team. I I did say uh, I needed a cheaper um, D3, so I put him in. And then after the game, I'm like, oh boy, nope. uh, (laughs) I've made a mistake here. And fortunately, I have unlimited trades before the beginning of the season. um, And he was right back out of my team. And I really think now... Um, as much as I also really want to pick um, Heath Shaw because he has a nice buy, he has a nice price, he has had the history, I just don't think that you can take him into the season because his role is just going to be you know, changing too much throughout the season. Yeah, it's too over the place. Uh, one person's role that we don't need to uh, worry about is in the next game. Collingwood defeated the Western Bulldogs coming back after a, uh, a deficit at quarter time. They ran over the top. One of their gut runners that just doesn't stop the ball magnet, Adam Trelaw here, Pistol. He looks like he's back to his best, but the problem is he always gets 30 touches, but he always picks up 10 clangers at the same time, and that's going to hurt his score and stop him from being one of these absolute premium midfielders in our teams. It's actually amazing. He had eight clangers, and that seems normal for him, but that is not a normal amount of clangers to get um, per game. That's exceptionally high. Uh, he, he did manage to have 14 tackles, though, which is um, extremely impressive, especially when people say, you know, the players don't take the JLT serious. But to have 14 tackles, you're, you're taking the game seriously. I think Trelaw is probably going to have a much better year than last year. Collingwood has an easy draw as well. So there'll be um, extra um, games he can, you know, bash up on the, the worst teams. I think uh, he's been known as a bit of a flat-track bully as well. So I think Trelaw's in for a, a big year. However, I'm not game enough uh, to actually say that he's you know going to go 
over 110. But in a draft league, for example, um, I think he could be a, a sneaky later pick um, who has a really, really high ceiling. So I'll throw over to you, Nicey, for the next player. I think this is probably the easiest recap you can possibly do here for us, mate. Sam Murray. 103 on debut, that left foot is just exceptional. 24 touches, they kept looking for him on the way out, kept pushing up the ground, even delivering inside 50. If you don't have him, there's something wrong. Mate, lock him in. Well, that that's pretty much the, the shortest recap we've had. Uh, I, here we have, nice to lock it in. I like it. <laughs> Pistol, break it down. <laughs> the Eradicator's favourite, Mason Cox. <laughs> Is this something that we can expect in 2018? Oh, look, um, I'm also a fan of Cox. I know we've... Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. That, that <laughs> sentence... Uh, look, sometimes you need to think before you speak, and that wasn't one of those uh, times. You could have said, you could have said Ooh, big Cox. All right. <laughs> could That's, have been worse. Uh, that is obviously not going to be edited out now because Chizo has it in for me. So there we go. Um, Cox is an option, I'll say. There's no way around this. I actually am stuck. You've cornered me, Chizo. I'll just say, I'm just going to refer him to Mason, okay? So Chizo has said in the past he didn't think Mason was going to make it. I was very adamant that someone that averages almost 1.9 goals per game um, with phenomenal upside given he doesn't know the game that well and is he's going to improve... Um, at a quick rate, I believe he has the ability to play 22 games in the Collingwood forward line. And this year, I don't see him as much of a super coach option. He's a key forward, so it's going to fluctuate between um, the easy teams and the, the hard teams. But he's going to be a goal kicker. And when he kicks a bag of four, you know, a score like this can happen. He's only just over 300k. He does have that ruck forward swing. I don't think he's going to make enough money to be able to be a viable pick. However, he at least will make you, you know, 50, 60K. Um, I'm predicting an average of about mid-70s for Mason Cox. Uh, I guess the next player I want to touch on just briefly is Aaron Norton. 75 Supercoach. Um, I think we saw enough from him to say that he's going to be playing round one. He looks really important to their back line for their structure, that big body. Um, Cox really did a number on him and... Yeah, outmarked him in a few situations because he, you know, he is only a first-year player and someone that's 211 centimeters, even if it is Mason Cox's, you know, going to be very difficult for you to kind of combat. But definitely one that should be in our sides uh, if he's playing round one and you know, we can't find any other rookies. Um, the next player, well, I guess two players I want to throw past you, Pistol, because this is a, a conundrum that you've been uh, talking to me for weeks on end about. Toby McLean versus Luke Dahlhouse. We saw them play similar roles, similar time through the midfield, uh, you know, similar centre bounces. Uh, it's it's difficult to be able to pick one or the other in our forward lines this year, scoring the same, spending virtually the same time uh, running through the guts there. I, I don't know what to make of it. I love Toby McLean as an option. I just think he's great. I mean, I watch him play and, you know, think he's fantastic. In his last 10 games last year, he averaged 95. He has the same role uh, so far this season um, that he was playing last season. And not only that, I think compared to Dalhouse, he's a tiny bit bigger. But the thing that sticks out is he handles it less. Um, and if you have a player that's kicking it a little bit more, obviously they can score a little bit more because handballs are worth um, a little bit less as well. So if I had to pick two of them, you've got Toby McLean, who's cheaper, and I think they'll average the same. So for me, you just take the cheaper option. Um, I don't think at all that there's going to be much in it. And really, you, I don't think you can go wrong with either pick as well. They'll both be good picks. Okay, lock him in. Toby McLean, like it. We'll jump into the next game. 
Port Adelaide defeating the Crows. Pistol, I'll throw back to you. Paddy Ryder putting up the Supercoach ton. I know you're a fan of him. Has uh, he still made his uh, holding onto his spot as R1 in your side? Yeah, well, at the moment he is. He had a 70-point second half as well. Um, the first half he was kind of thrown a bit all over the shop, and the, and the second half he was, you know, the role that we expect him to play as the, the pure Ruckman, um, you know, the beast that he looked like at the end of the year. Just some simple numbers because people keep saying you can't start Paddy Ryder because you get a donut in round 10, and it's driving me nuts because instead you're selecting somebody who is probably between 5 and 10 points per game worse. And it's not as simple as saying Ryder gets zero and another Ruckman doesn't get a zero, so therefore I'm, I've lost 100 points. It's, it's not that simple. In the buy round, that Ruckman, whoever else it is, um, is going to not be, you know, he's not going to be playing. He's going to get a zero and you're going to get a rookie to come in in your best 18. Whereas if you have Ryder, Ryder comes in into your best 18 and you probably are making about 40 points. We'll say a difference between a rookie and Ryder. It's about a 40 point difference. So really only 60 points or so um, behind the game if you start Ryder. And 60 points over 22 matches is only, you know, less than three points per game. So if you think there's an option that's within three points per game of Ryder, then take it. I just don't see another option um, within that um, little range. So for me, Ryder is just locked at R1. It certainly goes uh, against a lot of our you know, ingrained uh, philosophy about Supercoach that you don't pick someone that you're going to you're locking in a donut. That's the thing. So uh, there's going to be a lot of coaches out there that really disagree with that. But you know, you've run me through the numbers about 18 different times to try and get my head around it. But it does seem to stand up if Ryder is one of those complete standout ruckmen and averages much higher than the rest of the competition. You know, he's 114 average since the buyers last uh, at the back end of last year. He's going to make up all those points that he loses anyway, as you're saying. So um, definitely one to think about. Okay, Nicey, thoughts on Dom Barry in JLT2? Well, in JLT2, he wasn't as impressive as he was in the first game, but I think he's done enough to be a certain starter in our sides. Probably a midfield eight, uh, even on the bench, whatever whatever works uh, in your sides. But he got, uh, got 58 points this week, had the 10 kicks and five handballs, uh, kicked to behind and had seven of those possessions uh, were contested so I think he's done enough to to start in our sides and at one of those bargain basement prices lock him in yeah I guess the only one that impacts his score here pistol I'll get you to, to talk us through it a little bit is Riley Bonner Riley he played a little bit more rebounding off the back line uh, in this game yeah, similar to what Don Barry did in JLT1 do you think that they kind of contradict each other or they, they they're both able to be selected in the best 22 for Port this year? Well, given Pittard's out and with that injury that he just sustained and Broadbent's out, there are two slots. I mean, look, I think now that Pittard is out, Bonner is definitely going to be the one that they want to get the, their ball into his hands coming off the halfback line. And he used it um, at 85% efficiency, but he is a high percentage user of the ball. And he looks excellent. I'm talking, you know, Unbelievable. He's only 257k in Supercoach as well. And he is someone that I should say is currently in my side. I know that's probably surprising to you, Chizo. Um, but yeah, I've done a little bit of a switcheroo with um, Sicily. May have may have removed Chris, Christensen and put in Bonner. So you, you, essentially you've uh, used the DPP and you've gone 
Christensen to Bonner you like his uh, performance from the weekend that much? Yes, I very much so have. And um, yeah, I think it's a kind of a, a little sneaky thing to do. And I uh, kind of feel a bit sad now that I've given it away on the podcast. <laughs> it's not sneaky now that we've told everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that, that, that pretty much wraps up all the Supercoach relevance from that game. Hawthorne defeated by Carlton right at the end there. James Sicily, I said this in the preseason, Pistol. I, I should uh, play an audio clip. Did he punch someone? Essentially, he did. He lost his mind, gave away 50-meter uh, 50 penalties, three free kicks. He, and again, it was against Carlton. He gets that attention in the forward. Like, they've done it time and time again to this bloke. Can we like? Can we rely on him to put up a decent number if he's just going to keep giving away free kicks and trying to knock people's heads off? Yes. <laughs> he's still my man. <laughs> he he had 20 touches and 8 marks. If any other player had 20 touches and 8 marks, um, you'd be happy about it. It's just that he gave away 3 free kicks and, and a 50-meter penalty. Um, you know, he's essentially losing over 20 points um, a game from these free kicks. It is a little bit of a worry, but I think at the end of the day, He's pretty cheap, um, you know. He's just over 400k, and maybe we were reaching when we said he could average 95. But I still think let's give him, we'll give him an extra free kick against per game. We'll say he can average 90 instead, and, and I, just, I think he's um, super value. But look, it, it <laughs> is a little bit worrying watching him almost punching people in the head every single game. Well, yeah, he is definitely that general across the the halfback. They they he's taking those intercept marks, trying to get the ball out of the back line. So um, as long as he can keep his temper together that we should be okay. Um, I guess the next person we want to talk about here nicely is Cam O'Shea. He's only played 24% of uh, one game in the preseason, but he's also the highest scorer of points per minute across the preseason. We wish we would seen more, but he is quite tempting. Yeah, absolutely, Chizo. He's racked up 60 points in about a quarter of football. It's, you know, as you said, top top of the table sort of stuff, and we like him. Whether he gets a spot in round one, I'm not 100% sure yet. Um, I just, I feel like if he lines up, he might be worth maybe starting at D5, D6. Um, I just, yeah, it's hard because we haven't seen enough of him in this new in this new club. Yeah, I guess uh, the only other player that I want to talk about is uh, Matty Cruiser going, rolling that ankle. They say he's going to be ready for round one, but just definitely watch this space. Pistol, are you concerned that even if he is uh, ready for round one, they might, uh, you know, reduce his load or uh, put another R2 with him there that's going to uh, give him some chop out during the game, maybe playing Matt Loby just so he can, uh, you know, work into the season after having a little bit of an injury? No, I think he'll be uh, playing Sol Ruck, but it was a timely reminder to everyone that is thinking of selecting Cruiser that, you know, the man is super injury prone. I know, obviously, ankle rolls can happen to anybody, but... He was in my team, and I've just done a, you know, taken him out for Ryder now. I just can't see Cruiser playing 22 games. Um, it it's really difficult, especially because his you know injury history is so significant, and he's already copped an injury in the preseason. Um, to me, that just screams like you know warning bells going off, saying don't pick me. But Cheezo, the most surprising thing that came from this game is that you still haven't mentioned Yago Mira. Well, uh, the thing is, if we start talking about it, I'm gonna. There's gonna be a 15 minute segment of the pod where I just talk about one bloke, <laughs> and that, we just can't do that. <laughs> like, I, I've almost seen enough from him to su- suggest to me that he's going to be a good player. But the problem is, like, I, I'm choosing between, um, you know, lowering someone on my side like a, a, a Canelio 
to go down to your Jaeger or I've got to try and find the money to go up from an Andy Brayshaw. He's kind of in no man's land the way that I've structured my entire side this year. So I'm electing to pick those mid-priced players, you know, in a forward line or a back line. You know, you're looking at your, you know, your Sicilies or uh, your uh, Riley Bonner or someone like that. That's where I'm kind of picking those um those kind of breakout sections rather than a Jaeger because he's putting up good scores, but I, I'm just not, I, I, I don't think I can go in again and be fooled by him two years in a row. But definitely one that I'm going to be keeping my eye close on. And let's be honest, if he's in round one, I'm probably going to pick him anyway. But <laughs> we'll skip right over that. The, the, the next game's probably got the most fantasy relevance. Well, definitely has the most fantasy relevance. Uh, Geelong defeated by Essendon, the Mighty Dons. Danger going down with a hammy. That's the biggest news that we could have had this preseason. A lot of people uh, uh, were actually going without Dangerfield, so it doesn't affect them anyway. I think there was only 33% that had Dangerfield in their side. I was definitely one of them. We do have to change our side, and I think uh, in our midfield dedicated podcast coming in the next couple of days, we'll focus on exactly what we're going to do. But um, for me... Dangerfield, we wanted him to come out and average 135 from the beginning and be a captaincy option. With this little bit of uh, a soft tissue injury here, Pistol, I'm kind of thinking that he might play a little bit more forward, warm into the uh, the season a little bit more, even if he does play round one. And for that reason, he's probably going to drop more money than what we thought he would, and we can pick him up in a few, you know, maybe six weeks' time. Well, I I disagree entirely, and uh, at the moment, I'm, I'm happy if he's just going to miss the one week. I'm still happy to... Um, pick him and have him in my team, especially if he's going to be more unique as a dominant captain option, we'll say. But look, I think this is uh, probably time. We can discuss it on a different podcast. Obviously, the scans come out uh, tomorrow morning by the time, uh, so we won't know. Um, that's for everyone listening. We actually don't know uh, what's going on with Danger's hammies at the moment, so we can't really make a judgment call. So let's just uh, move on from that one, and we can focus on it on a different podcast. Okay, fantastic. Nicey, the next person I want to talk about, Zachy Merritt. Got knocked out in the first JLT, came back in the second JLT, putting up 140-odd. He uh, He's an absolute brilliant scorer, but again, he's a little bit like in the titch mold where he gets it through quantity, not quality. Do we see him improving on his 110 average from 2017? I do. Um, I think with regards to the titch mould and the handballing too much, I think it that sort of that sort of statistic impacts a player like Patrick Cripps, who is probably going to have sort of, you know, 20 to 25 touches. That's when the handballing sort of starts to make an impact. When Merritt, Mitchell, um, those boys are having 30-plus touches, um, I don't think it... it uh, sort of impacts them as heavily uh, as it does the other players. And I think Merritt is a genuine contender, as he has been the last sort of three years. Um, but no dramas there over Merritt. Yeah, and I put a tweet out over the uh, the weekend uh, that um, Stringer has attended the most centre bounces for Essendon over the preseason and he's put back-to-back 40s up for us. Can we stop arguing about him being a potential selection pistol, please? Yes. Look, I think the experiment's over. <laughs> uh, Fantasia's out. Bombers need to kick goals. And I think we'll see. Come around one string, we'll play in the forward line. He was all out of puff after the first quarter, playing um, purely on ball. And I just don't think that they can continue pushing him into the midfield at you know a significant cost to uh, the actual Bombers because you know they, they don't play so well when he's in the midfield. So, um, yeah, let's, let's call... 
put a big line, massive line uh, through Stringer and call it a day. And I, I guess uh, the the other injury that has implications, I guess, um, for those pick, trying to pick a breakout, Marty Gleason going down with his uh, fractured, dislocated foot. Does that mean we see Andy McGrath playing his role across halfback again last year? I know maybe. Um, I, I, that would impact his potential to break out being a, a sole uh, midfielder this year. Um, so that, that's definitely one that we, we should probably take notice of. I know I tweeted out over the weekend that um, Marty Gleason's injury is bigger than a lot of people are giving credit for because I think that has a little bit more of a flow-on effect um, through Essendon for that way because Andy McGrath played that same role so well last year and... Um, uh, I think that uh, there's every chance that they they kind of slide him back there to, to kind of plug that gap a little bit. So maybe that breakout won't come as immediate as say what people are predicting in 2018. Okay, the uh, we saw enough enough from Devon. We don't really need to touch on him. The next rookie that we uh, I want to talk about, Charlie Constable. Picked up by uh, Geelong last year in the draft. We know that he's hard at the ball, gets uh, um, a lot of ball in and under, and gets it out. He looks really, really good here, Nicey. Put up a 67. He's been fantastic so far this preseason. Do we see him getting a berth in the 22 come round one? I do, mate. Yeah, absolutely. He came in as a uh, late late in for, I think it was Parfit uh, in the JLT one. Uh, and he's held his spot uh, really well since then. He's, uh, he's one that I think we can have on our midfield bench. Can we have both him and Kelly? Yes, we can. Um... Kelly, probably probably the safer option to line up round one, but I think Constable will as well. Um, really like really like the young uh, the young bloods that uh, sorry the young boys that uh, Geelong are blooding at the moment, um, and I think I think um, yeah lock him in. Yeah, fantastic. We'll jump into the next game. Gold Coast defeated Brisbane in what was essentially a mud pit. Pistol, I'm going to jump straight to you because I know you want to talk about this. This is the Alan Christensen versus Tom Bell debate that you've been having on Twitter for about 48 hours straight. (laughs) Um, Yes, this debate has been driving me absolutely insane. Um, I'll just look. Tom Bell scored incredibly well in 68% of uh, game time. It was, as you said, a mud fest. He's got a big body. He's a clearance beast. That's all he can do. He's a massive inside ball winner. The conditions suited him in the first game. He did also play very well. Um, got a lot of um, clearances without Zorko and Beams. This game, Beams didn't play as well as Matheson didn't play. Now, people forget in the first game, Matheson had one of the highest um, center bounce attendances as well. So Bell essentially didn't play, again, with two strong midfielders. I think for this game, we'll probably... Um, allow Bell to get a lineup, a starting berth for round one. However, I'm not sure he's actually going to be able to play as an inside midfielder. They might push him off into that half-forward flank role that they kind of tried to do last year. And when he was in that role, he scored terribly. Um, so for me, Bell is just a massive risk because honestly, I didn't have him in Brisbane's best 22 um, coming into the season. And now maybe he pushes out someone like Bastinac. Um, and he will have to play as this high half forward, might get some midfield time. But when he does that, he just scores so poorly that I think um, he could be maybe the biggest trap of this preseason because every person has now (laughs) traded Christensen to Bell for an extra 20K. And Christensen, sure, he ran out of of steam. Um, 
look, he's he is actually a good half forward flank and can and can score well from that position. If I had to pick between them, I would probably be t- picking Christensen purely because I don't think Bell is going to have that role to be able to allow him to score well. And even then, his job security is so much worse than people actually think. I really don't think, come round three, that Bell is going to be in that side. Yeah, and I, I suppose we really wanted to have a good look at Alan Christensen over the, the preseason, but the problem was they played one game where they got absolutely flogged by Sydney, and then they play another game where it's really not conducive to uh, really clean forward play, and so every second kick is a hack out of a pack. And you don't get a, 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 a real descriptive look of what kind of role he's going to play and how effective he's going to be at it. So going into the season, it's going to be a bit more of a gut feel on Alan Christensen. But I, I do agree with the sentiments that um, Tom Bell's a little bit of a, a risky pick. Someone that's not a risky pick here, nicey, Nick Holman. I think we, there's nothing that really needs to be said about him. We do need to lock him in. Uh, if he's in round one, he's put up another seventy odd scores. Fantastic from him. Will Brody only putting up sixty six. Uh, nicely. What do you see of his role? Do you see that he is going to be a decent rookie option in two thousand and eighteen? I've said it before, Chizo, and I just I don't like these high priced rookies. Um, the the sort of ones that float up around the two hundred thousand mark. I think there's better value, and you're looking at Nick Holman there in the midfield. Holman put up uh, put up 72 points on the weekend from just five kicks and eight handballs. Uh, he went at only 46% efficiency, um, but 11 of those possessions were contested. Um, I think, you know, whether he lines up uh, on your field or um, on your bench, I think at 102,000, another one of those basement bargains. And uh, along with Charlie Constable and Tim Kelly, I'm locking him in for my uh, bench spots. Wrapping up uh, pretty quickly here, we'll jump into the last game of the round, Fremantle versus West Coast. Jack Redden here, Pistol. I unenviably made the decision to come out in the preseason and say that I thought Jack Redden was going to be a decent option. Rolling the dice with only a, a, a 60 Supercoach score coming down from his 164 in JLT1. Have I got it all wrong, or does he still have a decent role that is going to continue in 2018? <laughs> it's funny. You, you did come out right at the very beginning, as soon as Supercoach opened, and you said, Jack Redden, that is the best mid-price option of this year. And you were teasing everybody. After that 164, <laughs> you were so high on yourself. And he's come out here and he's scored a very poor 60. But you know what? I'll give you some credit. I still think Jack Redden's going to be a good pick. I wouldn't take too much from this game. You know, they got absolutely thumped the Eagles, and the midfield brigade for West Coast just didn't perform whatsoever. And sure, that might happen at some stages throughout the season, but I can still see Redden, you know, pushing that 100 average. So I I do think he's um, still a decent pick. I don't think he's going to make you as much money as you expect, and I think that, like, Coniglio um, and those sorts of players represent much better value than Redden, but... Uh, you weren't you weren't really too far off the mark. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Okay, yeah, thanks for having me back there, mate. I really appreciate it. <laughs> we've got we've got a couple of little rookies that we'll talk about. Andy Brayshaw, basically a two hundred k rookie. He's put up a, a, a basically a ton in his second JLT game. He's got fantastic endurance. We always harp on it. He's been absolutely great. Nicey, he is a high elevated price rookie. I think that you can invest in this year. I think you're going to get good return on someone like an Andy Brayshaw. Um, Bailey Banfield, another one that is going to just make cash real quick. As cheap as they come, 
uh, 75 on the weekend from 78% game time. He's really come from the clouds, and uh, if he's in that, uh, round one, he definitely uh, uh, one has to be uh, put in our side, even if it's only on a bench. Lockie Neal put out the score of the uh, one of the most interesting scores of the round. Fife only putting up 108, Lockie Neal 160. We've talked about this a few times over the preseason, Nicey. You can't afford to have both, but which one do you pick? My man, Lockie Neal, I tell you what, I ran both of them last year and it doesn't, uh, it's it's not as bad a decision as a lot of people think. I think that Lockie Neal sort of has the highest ceiling, um, but tends to, like a like a Buddy Franklin, have those games where he's around the 50, you know, sort of 50 mark um, once or twice a year. But Fife is going to be captain consistency, I think, this year. Um, he's going to have very few games where he drops below 100. But I, like I said, I ran them both last year and I ran uh, Danger and Joel Selwood at the start of last year. Having two players, it, come the buy rounds, that's when it can be a bit of a problem. Um, but I, I honestly don't mind uh, rocking the uh, combos uh, through midfield. I think it can work and I think they can both score consistently high. And another question that we're all kind of asking ourselves, so I'll, uh, I'll go to you here, Pistol. Willie Rioli, Dan Venables, Liam Ryan, not a single one of them in our forward line is giving us any confidence of being a decent rookie for us this year. Is there any of them that we can kind of have confidence in that will be worthwhile picking in our forward lines? Yeah, these West Coast boys, there's plenty of options available, but there's not too many good options available. Um, I really did like the look, though, of Liam Ryan. Um, I think he played much better than his score um, shows. He he got only 50 super coach on the weekend, but he... You know, missed a couple of targets that you'd hope otherwise he would hit. Um, His pressure was actually very good around the ball. And they lost by like 10 goals. What do you expect from like a small forward? He's not going to score amazing in a a 10-goal loss, but still managed to score 50. So I think Liam Ryan is somebody that I don't think I would mind having on the field. But look, I'm very, very concerned about Jake Waterman and Daniel Venables. I mean... They're both bigger than you'd expect. Uh, Waterman probably going to be replacing JJK up until uh, JJK comes back. And Venables is this big body midfielder that doesn't get the ball. Is really a strange type of player. He's like silky smooth, but he's not an accumulator whatsoever. Um, Yeah, so he's not going to be a great supercoach scorer as well. So it's kind of awkward because you want to pick like all of these rookies in your forward line because if one goes out, then you know you've always got one playing. But at the same time, they're all poor scorers, so it's it's a complete mess. These forward line rookies and Willie Rioli also copped an injury on top of that. So um, yeah, it's a complete. <laughs> I can't swear, but it's a yeah complete mess in the uh, the rookie <laughs> situation in the forward line at the moment. Oh, flipping now, yeah. And the another player, <laughs> another rookie that we've been looking at. <laughs> Thomas Cole, Tommy Cole, we've uh, he used to have DPP a few years ago, and um, we did have you know high hopes that he might get a game when we were picking him with that dual eligibility. He's basically been a defender in the waffle over the last couple couple of years, averaging high seventies in SuperCoach in the uh, the grade under. He comes into uh, a, a West Coast Eagles outfit and plays across the forward line. Uh, he's getting game time. He's 170k as a a rookie that we can pick from the Eagles, and they don't even play where he's been playing in the waffle. I I, I don't even know what we can make of that. Yeah, he he actually played very well, and he had 10 contested possessions, which was a game high for the West Coast Eagles. So he is somebody that I wish 
we were focusing more on in JLT1. I know he played as a smaller defender then, and now his role's completely flipped around. And really, I think if uh, Duggan's going to be pushing into the midfield, Yo is now just a pure midfielder. Um, I think there could be a spot for Cole in that West Coast Eagles side. And if there is, he's gone completely unnoticed as this 170k rookie backman. That's uh, pretty much wraps up our JLT recaps there, boys. It's been fantastic having you on. That's all nine games over the preseason. I know you pretty much had 1 a.m. bedtimes every single night editing articles and things that we're doing, Pistol. You did an absolutely fantastic job and only a few spelling mistakes that made it into the Herald Sun, so I was pretty happy with that. <laughs> it's it's funny how you're uh, much nicer to me when I'm on the podcast rather than when I'm sitting one out and I have to listen to uh, <laughs> you and JB just ripping into me. So uh, thank you for the kind words this time, Chizo. <laughs> I just like to make sure that you're listening into the podcast because once I get that inbox you know, the following morning, you're just like, hey, I'm like, hey, he's still listening, you know. <laughs> He still cares about us. He knows he values our opinion. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so I'll, I'll just uh, throw a, a, a quick question to both of you, Pistil. We'll go to you first. Tell me one thing that you've taken away from the JLT, from the preseason this year, that you'll take into the 2018 Supercoach season. I think the biggest thing is that I look at my team before the JLT. I look at my team after the JLT, and I pretty much had put in the Heathshaw, taken out the Heathshaw, you know, put in these type of players that played well. But at the end of the day, the players that I first really wanted to pick as my premium options going in 2018 are now back in my team. And I think JLT is important, but it's not about the scores that they have in the JLT. It's about the roles that they play. And if you think the roles uh, will continue throughout the season, then the scores will come. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree with that sentiment. We just can't get stuck into the, you know, you, someone does well in the JLT, so you pick them. You need to have these players in mind that you're looking at and visualizing their role and what you think they can be before you see the scores that come out. So, no, I see you, you've had a little time to think while Pistol's been answering. I'll let you answer the same question. What's something that you're going to take away into this season? Well, not coming from the JLT specifically, uh, Chizo, but I just think there's a lot more options structure-wise in our teams than what we thought originally going into um, going into the JLT. I think a lot of us were sort of starting pre-JLT with a sort of guns and rookies set up. Um, now we've sort of got a few mid-prices creeping into our sides. And as you were talking about earlier in the podcast, tends to be in the sort of um, up the narrow ends of the ground uh, with the defenders and four. Everyone's going to be rocking a sort of premium-looking midfield, maybe one or two rookies in there. Um, but I, I think there's a lot, a lot of uh, going to be a lot of permutations uh, and combinations up forward and back for a lot of players, and it's just going to make for a really interesting season, I think, uh, going into 2018. And they wonder why they wanted you back on the podcast. A brilliant answer, Nicey. I love your work, and I totally agree with your sentiment. We all came in with six. Some people even had seven premier midfielders in the uh, in their team. That's not there anymore, is it? They definitely don't have you know Fife at F six M six anymore. He's he's at M three yeah. after everything that's gone down. He's, yeah, he's three or four. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we've seen our teams change quite a lot. Um, it's been fantastic having you both on the podcast. As I always say. If you do enjoy the podcast, make sure that you leave us a review on iTunes. It helps get our brand out there, helps us get some feedback on where we can improve what you like on the podcast. And it also let us know that you enjoy it. And uh, we've gone through the iTunes numbers and there's 20% of people that listen to the podcast that don't subscribe. So, you know, make sure you do that on iTunes because then you're going to get that little 
that little notification when we get the pods up next time so you can get your information straight away for the 2018 preseason. And if you do leave us a, re- a review, make sure you send us your team to drscpod at gmail.com. We've got us all getting in there and commenting and letting you uh, have some tips onto your team. And I really should stop plugging this pistol because, you know, we're so snowed under with the articles, it takes us like a couple of days just to get around to uh, some of the teams to get in there because we're just getting swamped. No, we always get uh, back to the people that send us their teams eventually. Hopefully uh, in the coming days, we'll have a bit more free time. So yeah, if you, you leave a review, make sure you send us an email and we will uh, definitely get back to you and review your team. And I do want to uh, actually say, follow Chizo on Twitter, Chizo underscore DRSC, Somehow, within one week, I've managed to overtake Chizo on the followers, <laughs> and he is devastated. So, don't follow Pistol underscore DRSC. Follow Chizo, Chizo underscore DRSC. I appreciate you, sh- you showing the love. The The way that I explain it is because we always throw your shade on the podcast. So, it's just that sympathy. These followers <laughs> just giving you some sympathy. Just to, you know, prop that confidence up because you get picked on by us mean boys. So, so that wraps up our JLT recap podcast uh for the last week we're coming out with a lot more podcasts here boys so we'll be hearing your voices again soon appreciate your time listening in community and we'll catch you later um i'm also a fan of cox i know we've uh oh wow 